Nobody knows the trouble we've seen. Nobody knows but Lane Mignot. No? Nothing? I thought that was pretty good. I think I have the deep voice of an angelic. I don't want to encourage it. Uh, I've had my singing moments before. The Jimmy Vesey song, I think, is still the highlight, but uh, my throat is a little sore from last night, and this deep, sexy voice, I think, works very well for radio, so get a little (laughs) bit of country swang in here. Hello, this is Bantering the Blue Shirts. If you have not been able to figure out, sometimes we forget that we are doing a podcast. Um, The Rangers are tied 2-2 in their series with Montreal. But before we get into any of that, we are joined by Michael Murphy and Beth Macklin. Michael and Beth, how are you? Hi. Hi. I'm great. Hi. Fantastic. All right. I really regret asking that question. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Anthony Viola, Dan Lynch, George Lippman, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forlenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, Armiel Kissinger, and Zachary Zetlin, and Igor Zetlovsky. Um, They've all donated, and that is why we exist. Well, we exist for other reasons, too. But you should go and donate. That's what I think you should do. Go to patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter. Go hand money to us, and then we will do things with the money. Like give Mike and Beth an amazing Skype subscription that makes them sound like they're right here. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was uh-huh. technology. To just speak. Okay, we all did predictions well, last there's... week about where we thought the series was going to be when we came back onto the air. We are back onto the air right yeah, now. I hate predictions. I said Montreal was going to be up 3-1. They almost were, but uh, the series is tied. Mike and Beth, I feel like you guys said Rangers were going to be up 3-1? No, I just said I thought the Rangers were going to win it in six. That's all I remember yeah, saying. Which okay. they still might. So they may. They very well may. Um Impressions through the first four games, Michael. Uh, I think the biggest story, uh, the thing that I am, and it's something I am thankful about every year, but uh, Henrik Lundqvist is a horse you never bet against. The, you know, all the worries like, oh, he's not back yet towards the end of the regular season and whether or not that was going to be a big story of this series. He's been absolutely, you know, sterling. I can't think of, and not just the shutout. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now. It's a 944 save percentage through four games, and he's had to face 21 more shots than Price. So there's nothing more you can ask of Hank. Uh, There's a lot of other stuff that I know we can talk about, but uh, I just wanted to start with a nice happy thing because it's a it's a really big deal that Hank is playing this good and you know living up to his reputation because if the Rangers can find a way out of this first round, Lundqvist is the sort of goalie that can take them as you know as far as frankly as far as he can go. So 
uh, I think that's something to be encouraged about. What do you think, Beth? What is your things to say? Well, I, I am positive. I will uh, go on record with that. Um, but it's funny, just what you're saying, Mike, just makes me realize, you know, how low on the totem pole hockey is professional sports-wise. Because um, hmm. in any other sport, this comeback by Lundquist right now in the playoff season would be a huge story. And we can barely get the announcers of these actual games to talk about that. They seem to want to talk about Carey Price pretty much no matter what happens. Um, and, yeah. so And I how mean, he got run over. Everyone knows that. But, I mean, this is crazy how Hank has managed to turn his game around right now. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, it's as if everyone kind of bounced right back to taking it for granted media-wise. I, I think the fans are appreciative. And the ones who aren't, um, again, there are crab people and and should die in a very low tide. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> it's, Maybe it's, it's the first time we've threatened drowning upon anyone. I don't know. Yeah. That I'm not reading about it in places other than the places I already read all my hockey stuff in, if that makes any sense. Because it's a pretty incredible comeback for a guy of his age with the difficult season he's had to suddenly well, go just, back into well, God. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Beth. I mean, this no, goes no, back. No, no, that was basically it. This goes back to what I, I've talked about in terms of Lundqvist quite often, which is when he is standing on his head performing his magic, whatever dark magic it is. Actually, I guess in, in Lundqvist's case, it would be the magic of the white. Um, no one notices him. Everybody takes it for granted. Oh, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's the highest paid goaltender yeah. in the league for a reason, blah, blah, blah. And when Lundqvist is not doing what he's quote unquote supposed to be doing and this demand for perfection, you get the people who are just like, well, uh, this is the one thing that we need to focus on and playoff Lundqvist revealing himself to us is not something that was totally unexpected, but I agree with you, Beth. Now that he's here, it is kind of miraculous how the media does not mention any of it because what Mike was talking about in terms of the Rangers being very lucky that Lundqvist is playing the way he is, this series could, we were talking before uh, Mike and I were about, because Beth always joins the show last minute, um, about how this series is very fleaky and and it's kind of weird and we don't know what to make of it. The Rangers could very well be done with this series by now. I mean, who's to say what would have happened if they won game two and how Montreal would have come out for game three. Or if Lundqvist was not standing on his head, the Rangers could be swept by now. So maybe it does make sense yeah. and it's fitting that it, the series is tied 2-2. But both wins and the fact that the two losses were as close as they were are an indictment of how well Lundqvist has played rather than maybe how close this series has been. Game four was really the first time that we saw the Rangers, A, dress an all-skill lineup, but B, you see the importance of that, and we'll get into it, that they took the game to the Montreal Canadiens. They used Montreal's desire to have this fourth line and we're going to run, run and tough. And those guys are going to be playing big minutes. It's almost like Julianne is kind of coaching the way that we'd expect Mignot to coach. And the Rangers fourth line got a goal. That skill fourth line got a, a goal. Rick Nash has been an animal. I'm sure we'll talk about that too. And the Rangers are tied two two in a series. Now, right now, you, your mother, your father, your sister, if you just had a baby, your infant child, all of you have something in common 
with JT Miller, Chris Kreider, and Kevin Hayes, which is that none of you and none of them have scored a point yet in the playoffs. If I told you that the Rangers' leading goal scorer would have two goals, the Rangers' leading point scorer would have two goals, 90% of the team would have one point or less, and those three players would have no points at all. Would you think the Rangers were going back to Montreal tied 2-2? In my article today, I did reasons to be positive, reasons to be negative. I can think of no reason to be more positive than the fact that the Rangers' offense, even if you're not expecting them to be that October-November set-the-world-on-fire-scoring-four-goals-a-game team, even if you don't expect that, you expect them to be better than they are right now. And to be at 2-2 in this series, I think, speaks volumes to what the Rangers are capable of doing if they get their crap together. Beth, I will let you jump in on that thought. Um, yeah, I mean, to see suddenly this team that seemed to remember what its strengths were um, and to be showing that speed, um, maybe Still a little too much passing sometimes. Um, positive, positive, positive. Um, I don't know. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's, I think it's, I think this is Lundqvist that makes it 2-2. Two, two. Um, I think we've always had, I mean, one of the great things about this offense in general, playoffs or no, are that the goals get spread around. Um, I actually would not have been surprised if you'd told me that Kreider and Hayes had no goals at this point. Uh, Miller, I might've been a little Miller. I might've been a little more surprised by. Um, And uh, yeah, it would be once those guys actually do assuming that they do um, start racking up points. I mean, yeah, that there's no ceiling on this. It's just which direction the team is going to go in now, now that uh, they seem to have gotten their lines together or AV has gotten their lines together. Who, you know, who knows what happened and actually precipitated those changes? Was it that it was an absolutely terrible game, uh, game three, or was it actually a realization that things weren't working? And those aren't quite the same, same thing. I hope that makes sense. Did the team play a terrible game or was the team not put in a position um, to be playing as well as it could have by the coach? So was it a coaching thing or a team thing? I don't, I mean, that's changing your question a little bit, Joe. That's changing your question a lot, actually. Um, But I do feel like that's kind of what's hovering over all of this. Michael? It's a very weird thing through four games for this team to have seven goals, eight if you count Grabner's empty netter. Um, and, you know, to look at look up and down the lineup, and Rick Nash is, like you said in your article today, Joe, has been the Rangers' best forward really all, season, all, all series long. Um, and that's a huge breath of fresh air because – I don't know about you guys, but I haven't heard a whole lot of uh, <laughs> a whole lot of criticism of Nash right now. Um, even though that is normally, you know, yeah, that's normally kind of tradition this time of year. But I haven't heard much of it. I wonder why. Um, For all times of year. But it's yeah, it's 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 interesting though because he's playing like he always does. The difference now is that you know his production. You know, he has 
his goals to point to, and let alone a game-winning goal to point to. So it's that's been a big deal. But it's seven goals in four games, and the Rangers are the only team in the playoffs as of this recording uh, who don't have a power play goal. They're 0 for 12. Um, but this, but the series is tied, and all the players Joe listed don't have you know a goal or a point yet. And to me, that says a lot of things. That you know, you can watch the games and see, really, with the exception of uh, of you know last night's game, how the Rangers were just getting railroaded in, in terms of possession. They were just getting you know, dominated. Uh, that game three in particular was so rough to watch. It was just a team that looked listless. Like, you know, it had no idea how to get a controlled zone entry. It had no idea how to, you know, get a shot on net on price, let alone a shot that would beat a goalie like price. You know, it was, it was like, you know, trying to watch a little kid lift a hundred pound weight, you know, it just working really hard or trying to look like they're working hard. And then it just like, a completely fruitless endeavor. But what's been so interesting to me is how all those things are true. And yet here we are tied, you know, the Rangers are two wins away from getting past Montreal, even with price playing like price. And uh, it's been something, I think it, it really points to just how good Lundqvist is and just how good guys like Nash are. Um, and I think McDonough is a guy I can't I can't talk enough about uh, just because if you look at the the possession numbers on Corsica of of what McDonough and Girardi's numbers at uh, at even strength look like they're just getting crushed to pieces by Montreal's top line. But you know, has, is there anything negative you can say about how McDonough has played in this? in the in the series you know it's been it's been a really interesting like thinking about how the team is winning games now versus how they're winning games in November it's two different hockey teams you know it's the Rangers didn't need Lundqvist to be good back in November uh, when they're scoring four or five goals a game now it's you know if if Lundqvist lets in a softy in one of these games it's over it'll be over because these games are that close um, all the goals are really being scored, you know, for the most part off of mistakes or miscues. And it's just this intense, nasty little series that seems to have this kind of like chimeric identity. It's uh, one minute. It's this, all anyone wants to talk about is hits the next minute. It's, you know, Oh, they're going hard to the net. And here's the 30th instant replay of Kreider hitting price in 2014. And, then it's deciding, oh, maybe we should talk about Nash. And, you know, it's, the series has so many faces. It's been bizarre to keep track of. I do wonder if this, as I wrote before the playoffs began, that this team is the team that can potentially, uh, the, the team that came out like a bat of the hell exists in this group. The, the game that was played last night pretty much has that lineup in the cards. Um, so they can emerge from the depths of whatever hell um, they're in. So we have somebody who has been waiting on call for 15 minutes, and I feel terribly, so I'm going to let you on the air. 
914, you are on Bantering the Blue Shirts. Who's this? Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Johnny Legend from the Dump and Shakes podcast. How are you guys doing? Man? I listen to you guys. Good. How are you doing? I'm a fellow resident. I know your brother Billy very well. And um, just to say hi to you, I really think being, trying to be the optimist here, I honestly <laughs> think the Rangers can win on the road in Montreal. It's coming home for game six that really scares me. And I want to get your guys' views on that. If we win the game in Montreal, whether it's a nail-biter, which it probably will be, you know, we're not really scoring any goals from the big guys like you guys are saying, although Nash is an absolute beat. It's game six that would scare me. And if we come back, you know, after losing game five, then for sure we'll all scare. But how would you guys feel if the Rangers win a nail-biter, game five, we come back home for game six. What are your views on that? I've been pretty outward. I think it's a great question because the media has picked a few narratives that they've elected to run into the ground, in my opinion. And one of the biggest ones has been this, quote-unquote, different team that plays at home than that plays on the road. And to the point of this being a Jekyll and Hyde series, the very worst game the Rangers have played in this series was game three at home. The very best game the Rangers have played in this series was game four at home. So mm-hmm. I think it depends a lot on, I, I don't know, I speculated today that the Rangers might need to have their backs against the wall in order to bring out that team that you saw last night that dominates possession and that yeah. does the things you'd like to see out of a hockey team. I don't buy the real estate that the Rangers are a different team at home, but I will say that I am a very big believer in playoff momentum. And right now, all the pressure is back on Montreal because they do not want to come back to Madison Square Garden with an elimination game six. And that is what the Rangers should be utilizing on the road. And if they can win that game, if the Rangers win game five, if they win tomorrow, I'd be very confident, not that I'm breaking a lot of ground, that they win the series. Um, (laughs) And I've been on record as saying if the Rangers beat Montreal, I really do think they can make a run to the Stanley Cup, especially if Toronto can dispatch the Capitals. That would be fantastic. Uh, Mike, I am curious your thoughts on that question, though. I, it's it's been such an interesting thing watching this. You know what the Rangers are like at home. I, I even remember when uh, Jesper scored his goal. They you know they made a point to say he's one of the few Rangers who has better numbers at home uh, during the regular season than on the road. And it's it is one of those things, like you said. I think it's been talked in the ground a bit, but. I would be really nervous to the point of uh, in, in despair more than I would normally be if the Rangers uh, drop the next game just because of that trend. It's one of those things where everyone's talking about it, which means it's it's in the heads of the players whether or not it should be there is a, is a separate issue. But if if it's all anyone's talking about, then it's going to, one way or another, it'll impact the way the Rangers actually play because... You know, all the sports psychology in the world doesn't make you immune to, you know, Chris Kreider definitely notices when the entire province of Quebec, you know, is trying to, to boo him to death whenever he touches the puck. You know, there's things like that that are factors. And like you said, momentum is such a big deal. That's why I'm encouraged by what we saw last night, because I agree that that was their best game and it was at home. 
and we can get into all the oh the garden wasn't loud loud enough in game three, but yet it was louder when they were playing well, and I wonder why that happened. Um, you know, it's a whole can of worms to get into. I don't know. Beth. Um, I want them to win a nail biter. I, I like that word for this. <laughs> I don't want them to, if it could possibly happen, I don't want them to score a ton more goals in Montreal. I want it to come home close. I keep thinking of that game in Tampa. Remember when Nash took them all to see the entourage and then they scored like six or seven goals that night and won and then came home and lost. Um, I don't want their confidence to get too high. I don't want them. I want them lean and mean and angry uh, when they come home. So of course I hope they win, but as long as people stay healthy and, you know, no one breaks a limb, I, I really do think it would be better for them mentally for it to stay close than for them to all of a sudden perhaps have like a four to one or five to one or something like that. I, I want it. I want them to be fighting to the end of that. I want to be worried in the final second. My, my heart can't take it, but I actually think they would come home and play better if it's always felt down to the wire and then let them do that. Let them score all those, let everyone who hasn't scored score in game six and let them take it. But I I think it would be better if it was close, a close (laughs) win. You want everybody to have a heart attack. Don't be comfortable. You want the Rangers to win a close game and have like 4,000 deaths and blood on your hands. This is what I think is best for them. (laughs) It's an interesting. Now I have a question. Just like a mother. You mentioned you knew my brother, Billy, or were you talking about, does Beth have a brother, Billy? No, Beth no, Beth's brother, Billy. No, Beth, yeah. I was going to say, I, I heard it, and I was like, I don't think I have a brother, Billy, yeah, I'm, or a, a brother I grew up in Pelham, Beth, so it's a little oh, tiny town okay. where everybody knows each other. <laughs> this is very it, true. This, yeah, were you, were you in classes with one of my brothers, or you just happen to know them? Or No, the thing is, I'm, I'm older than your brother. I was in high school F, um, before him, but my younger, my friend's younger brother played on the soccer team with him when they went to the state oh. championship and they lost. And That's I saw right. a lot of those games and I became friendly with your brother there. Oh, God. We are bringing okay. people together. We are bringing them together. Uh, I, you guys want I to am a Pelican alumni also, Beth. My oh, Bill, thanks for Pelican. the time, man. I, I really appreciate you guys taking my question. I listen to you guys all the time. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it, guys. And if you want to throw a little plug in for your own thing Thank you got you. going on, by all means, feel free. The Dump the Chase podcast. I'm on Twitter at Johnny Legend. You guys can uh, listen to us there. We're on StarcomRadio.com live every Thursday night at 8 o'clock. It's going to be tough tomorrow night because uh, the game is on, but I'm probably still going to do the show. So that, that's it. You know, we're also on Podbean on the, on the rebroadcast, so. But thanks, Joe, for we the have, time. Uh, I appreciate it, man. No problem. But we really appreciate you calling in. We've, uh, we've uh, what's the word, dabbled, thought about doing a live podcast while a Ranger game was going on and just doing not talking about anything other than the game. And I think that for a playoff game, that would be a really bad idea. But maybe not worse than Beth wishing death <laughs> upon all of you by saying she doesn't want the Rangers to score a bunch of goals. She wants the Rangers to win like a one nothing game. Um, yeah. You know, because why wouldn't you want to have a heart attack and almost die or die? Yeah, what does it matter? Beth doesn't care. It's chaos because I know of Beth. The team. It's not about us. It's about them. 
yeah, it's about them. Uh, maybe that. they should just never watch Entourage again, even though it worked. And more importantly, how did Entourage even work? I don't get it. What about Entourage made it work? I just remember that they did this, like, team build, you know? Like, they all went on this excursion together because Nash wanted to go see the movie. And then they played that night and kicked butt, and everyone had all this adrenaline, and it was all looking really good, and then it didn't. So I don't want them to be a there to be a point too early in the series when they're too confident. I want the whole thing to be, I don't want this. I feel like it's better for them if the whole thing is neck and neck. I may die, but that will just be a thing that I will be collateral damage to the Rangers series win. I I am willing to do that. You and the rest of the people that you are damning to this, this horrible life. Uh, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, that's a good question, though. It really is. The, the home versus away nonsense, which is what I, I consider the not the premise of the question nonsense. I just consider that media narrative of, oh, the Rangers are a different team at home. Nonsense. Yeah. They're the same team. Trying to find a reason why they lose. It's inescapable story. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, yeah, whatever. Uh, it's, there's a lot of things that, that the media does that bother me. I would say the number one thing is the insinuation that Pavel Buchnevich is not a polished player or a good player or that somehow he's the team's 12th forward. I will fight everybody in the face who thinks that. And then we'll all, we'll all die of a heart attack because <laughs> Beth is wishing that upon us. But that... that that's another narrative that the, how the Rangers would feel at home. But I do agree with them. I, I agree with John that if the Rangers win, regardless of the way that they win, you, you have to love their chances of playing an elimination game in the garden. Lundqvist himself is a friggin' monster in elimination games. So he's played in so, so many of them. Um, it really, it, it adds an interesting dynamic. And it's why I think the Rangers are going to have that type of, uh, I think it's why the Rangers are going to have that type of swagger going into game five. I hope who knows? You don't know. Um, Rick Nash. We have not said enough nice things about Rick Nash. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the picture that I posted on Twitter of my little puppy and by little puppy, I mean hundred pound monster Stanley looking out the window at the mailman and then saying Stanley looking for Rick Nash, Rick Nash detractors like, and he was in his guard dog pose. Um, Nash has two goals. In four games, I think he has nine points in his last nine playoff games. He is, or has been, and hopefully will continue to be, the Rangers' best forward, bar none, in this series. Beth, he is your favorite. Say what you want to say about him. <laughs> um, I am happy that he has the math to back up the way he always plays. Um, there's no arguing with it now. Um you could argue before that even if he didn't put up the points, I mean, he's fantastic at both ends. He never stops working. I don't think he has a bad night um, in the way some players have bad nights. Um, but he has just been so completely on. Um, and he said after that goal, watching him look up, did you notice he looked at the crowd instead of the team? Did anyone else notice that? When he was celebrating? Yeah, he was pretty fired up, yeah. 
He was pretty fired up. I think he was glad the garden was fired up. And I also think he knows what his reputation is that he doesn't really deserve, that he doesn't come through in the playoffs. I have always personally enjoyed informing everyone that he scored two goals in the playoffs last year, even though it didn't matter. So I will say that again. He's obviously going to, well, hopefully going to get more (laughs) than that this time. Um, But, yeah, he's just relentless. He's everywhere. And the other thing this is suddenly making me think about is how how old is Nash? 34? 33, 34? 33, I think. 32. Okay. 32. Our best two guys right now are 32 and 36. I think that's kind of interesting, and it's not just because I'm old. (laughs) I'm not old. You're simply, according to Mike, as old as the Sphinx. My Sphinx-likeness. To be anyway. fair, a Sphinx could be made like yesterday. Uh, not the <laughs> Sphinx that you were talking about. We know what you meant. But yeah, um, and it's also, I mean, it's also fun watching him, the way he gets involved in the physicality of these games um, in what has had to be a unnecessary way. Because um, normally, I mean, he, he gets into stuff in the crease, obviously, if stuff starts behind the net, but I mean, he has been right there every time he's been needed. You certainly, you know, those other stupid things that were floating around this year that this team doesn't care about each other. Someone gets hit and everyone's looking the other way sort of thing. Um, Again, this isn't me advocating for the team to hit more. I think I made that clear in what I wrote this week. Um, but yeah, it's just he's he's playing every part of the game exceptionally well, and um, I'm not sure what else there is to say. Michael, it's really encouraging to see Rick Nash kind of like I thought I saw it a lot in Game One where you know he's making moves, going through guys, and then going you know going you know, attacking, you know, Valaket's Royal Road. He's going to that area where goal scorers score goals. And seeing him do that is so encouraging because I think when Nash is doing that, it sends a message to his team that, like, you know, we don't need to just cycle and and have five different guys in the team who are looking to cycle and then wait for the perfect pass. You know, you can just go hard to the net, especially on the rush. And that uh, that goalie interference penalty he took last night, it was one of those penalties that I considered a good penalty. Um, just because, you know, I know he, you know, he took it on the power play and it was frustrating and all that, but that's a confident, aggressive Rick Nash. And the Rangers need that in a big, bad way. And it's so good to see him play like the player that, you know, he is when he's away from the puck as the guy... You know, when he's he's playing that complete game where he's aggressive in the offensive zone, and it really just makes you appreciate what he does in terms of the whole package. Because when he's not scoring goals, he's still incredibly valuable. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to understand. Um, you know, you look at his possession numbers and you say, bah, but they're not that great, you know. And But you watch him play and, you know, he's very clearly doing – you know, a whole lot of work all the time. You know, he's on the penalty kill. He's he's dangerous there. He's at even strength. Right now, he he looks like the most dangerous player in the series. And 
you know, maybe with the exception of uh, Radulov at times. But unlike Radulov, he's not hurting his team by getting wrapped up in, uh, you know, the pushing and shoving and yapping with Steve Ott like Zuccarello can't seem to get away from. Um, Nash <laughs> is just going about his business and being that dominant power forward that, you know, the way he's he's playing up to his contract and then some, I think, because when you look at how he's performing against the other big names like Joe and I talked about the the top of the show, it's it's night and day. Nash is, is has shown up for this series, and it's not just because he has two goals. It's because he's leading the team in shots. He's going hard to the net. He's killing penalties. You know, he's he's doing all these things that make you excited and you know he's that guy when things look ugly Nash when he's on the ice is still trying to do things and that's a big deal I don't know I feel like I could just ramble on for a while so I'll just stop here I love Mike when Mike is asked a question there's a long dramatic pause like Mike what do you think about this series pause (laughs) and then he begins I like to put the words together Joe you set the tone you set the tone make them fit all nice um, I, I, the, I think the version of Nash that we're talking about is the lower the goddamn shoulder Nash. That's what I call him. When yeah. Nash is burrowing yeah, himself battering into Ram Nash. Zone, that is lower the goddamn shoulder. That is what he is. And Arbor Green said in the chat that he's 99% sure Nash's knee did not hit Price's head. I actually think Price sold the living hell out of it, to be completely honest with you. I understand the call. I think at the end of the day, it probably was the right call because even if Price didn't that dive like, right a, like a swimmer, or maybe not a, a swimmer, a diver, if he didn't dive like a diver, um, good diver, good diver chocolate. Uh, anyway, um, okay. see, this is the problem. I have enough ADD that I just lost my own train of thought in the middle of a sentence. Literally in the middle of a sentence, I lost my own train of thought. Um, that was the right call. call. Even if Price didn't dive like a diver, Nash still would have impeded him enough to potentially, you know, stop something from happening uh, and and probably enough to make it not a goal. I think the most unfortunate part about that is the guy who scored was Kevin Hayes, who desperately needs a goal. And the one that he does get gets he easily scored away. on the rebound of his first golden chance there. By the way, it was pretty great. But it's, it was one of those that, like, oh, I found a dollar in the shovels. That Nash is the Nash that a the Rangers have right now and that they need. That's the lower the goddamn shoulder, Rick Nash, the guy who just has no care in the world for his own personal safety or anybody's safety around him and just drives to the net and does whatever he has to do to get the job done. And here's the thing. I don't think that Nash is a rarity. I think he plays like that quite a bit, and he just does not get the appreciation yeah. that he deserves. But I hate this playoff performer, Rick Nash. He's not as good as he needs to be, blah de blah de blah because Rick Nash has been the Rangers' best player of these four games. I don't care that he only has two goals. He has been the Rangers' best player of those four games. Period. End of story. I will not, I will not hear any debate about it. Um, Lundquist at all. What did you say? Lundquist. <laughs> Is he next? We kind of talked about him already. Well, I would say Lundquist has been better than Nash, but yeah. 
Oh, I see. No, I'm only Just suggesting. Showing me up on live podcast radio. <laughs> Welcome ahead. Okay. Well, I think, you know, if push comes to shove, Hank has been, in my opinion, the Rangers' best player. I think it's very clear that Nash is the best skater on the team by a country mile, but the Rangers would be eliminated by now if not for Lundqvist. It's, I, don't, I haven't had a chance to really dig into how many, you know, how his numbers stack up to the rest of the goalies in the playoffs. I know they're very favorable. I think he has, you know, he's, I know for a fact he's faced more shots than anyone else in the playoffs, uh, you know, excluding the games that started during and before the podcast here tonight, but he's had the craziest workload. Uh, He's had, you know, he's had to face, you know, he's had to play behind a pretty terrible penalty kill. I think we can comfortably say that about the Rangers penalty kill. And he's kept the games that sometimes they didn't look very motivated to be in. So Hank has been, you know, Hank and Nash, the guys who get the most money, the guys who get the most of that type of criticism, the, oh, they're overpaid, oh, we got to move on, oh, he's washed up. They've been the guys who showed up, like Beth said earlier. It's interesting that it's those, you know, those established veterans who are the guys who are carrying the team. I mean, the thing, too, is that, you know, Hank plays the game he's going to play. He doesn't seem – he's not as affected by the guys on the ice, Um, which I think in terms of where his head is and how he's playing, of course it affects him and how many shots he has to face. Um, But in terms of his his quality of play at any given moment, um, they can be out to lunch and he can still be on – which I think is what makes it so admirable about Nash these four games is how schizophrenic the team has been and how consistent he has been. Um, When things have just been falling apart around him, really, um, in game three, when it seemed like nobody was doing what they were supposed to be doing, nobody wanted to do what they were supposed to be doing, um, he's just been, I mean, he's just stood out as, a force of quality and consistency and refusal to get, you know, sucked in to whatever was going, you know, whatever strange head game or whatever else the team had going on that made them bottom out like that. Uh, He clearly can keep himself out of that. The thing about being able to keep himself out of that is that maybe sometimes if that starts happening, he can bring the other guys back with him. Um, I mean, the 2014 team had those mood swings like that. I've said that before. Um, and they just had to sort of snap out of them. This team, game three is an example of, of how a mood swing can take over a whole game in the middle of a series that you really need to win. Um, but I think that's been the other thing standing out about them is not just their excellence, but their their consistency and their insistence on playing their own games, you know, no matter what crazy shit was going on around them. That The last point that you made, I think, is maybe the most important about what we've seen from Nash, which is when the, I thought the Rangers played too heavy of a style the first three games. I thought they were far more concerned with how much they were hitting Montreal, when they were hitting Montreal, than they were about playing their game. And Rick Nash really seems to be the only player that doesn't care. 
He doesn't really get bogged down with any of that stuff. He gets knocked around all the time. He doesn't care. Rick Nash does not get penalties called against him. Rick Nash also, for some bizarre reason, does not draw penalties. I have no idea why. He is not treated the same way that most superstars in the game are. So you get this guy that is doing pretty much everything you could ever want him to on the ice in the playoffs, and part of it is because Rick Nash is always Rick Nash. He's that guy. And the Rangers don't have a ton of players who can do that. For whatever reason, I think A.V. is turning Kevin Hayes into a defensive center or trying to. Uh, I cannot make heads or tails of it. I I have no idea. Not a good idea. I I think J.T. Miller is far more concerned with throwing hits at some points in this series than he has been with doing what he needs to do to get the puck into the zone. And, hey, I don't mind the rough and tough stuff, but I do when it comes at the expense of the team's offense. And the Rangers kind of showed what they're capable of doing when they play an all-skill lineup. And, you know, we need to see more of that. We really do. Uh, I, I think that's the most important thing. The Rangers can't lose themselves. And A.V. doing this whole, like... Oh, we're going to swap Buchnevich and uh, Glass up and down the line. Uh, with Crowder and Zibanejad today at practice, it doesn't help anybody. The only thing you're doing is no. getting in your own player's head, and you're not confusing Montreal. Montreal is playing Ott and Dwight King the way that we really hope the Rangers wouldn't play Glass. Julian is basically doing Vigneault a favor. So why even entertain the idea? I made a joke. You know, you don't want Buchnevich to get too comfortable. You wouldn't want that. And that's kind of what this feels like. I I hate these mind games. I hate that Nick Holden was in the lineup somehow again last night. Uh, Uh, I don't understand. Another, I think this is one of my better analogies, by the way. I know that many of mine are awful. (laughs) But Holden continuing to get a, like, starting role on this team is like continuing to let your kid drive unsupervised after he's totaled three cars in a week. What for a coach who sat Adam Clendenning for a game after he had an assist against Washington because he quote-unquote had a bad touch? How is this? I don't understand. Somebody fill something, say something so that I can understand. I think the fact that we're not complaining... Older than. <laughs> no, I'm just saying Holden's older than Clendenning, so he's immune to those things. Uh, I didn't actually know that. All right. Um, we're not complaining about Dan Girardi, which is new um, for a playoff. I, I mean, last year at this time, we had quite a few things to say, and I think what Nick Holden did on that two-on-one last night um, – yeah, that that was that was. <laughs> I've never seen Girardi do that. <laughs> I don't think. No, that was a new uh, one. That was like a pirouette just, angel. <laughs> just sort of buckle to the ground in between both players and hope they fall over you. I don't, I don't know um, what that was. So yeah, I I think can we just can we just acknowledge here and and request public praise for the fact that we have not said a bad word about number five. Um, because they're really Holden's taking the heat and Holden deserves the heat that Girardi was getting from us last year at this time. Yeah. I, Stop, I, I, Girardi, think, I should say, oh, boy. I think I, I, the Rangers, 
at this point are kind of their success is hanging on right. the edge of a knife with the way that they're playing. You you have to expect that at some point maybe we'll see Girardi kind of falter. And I think I made a point in my like reason to be negative that if that pairing explodes, the Rangers are going to have no safety net. But the Rangers yeah. have bigger problems right now than Dan Girardi. And that's not to insinuate that Girardi's been amazing, but the Rangers have bigger problems than him. And right now, that's a victory. To me, that is a victory. That he's not front yeah. and center of the Rangers' problems is a victory. Mike, you sounded like you had something to say. <laughs> oh, just, just sad. I don't like talking about bad things. What do you say? About? I like Girardi's goatee. I can say that. Oh yes, let's no, go. The, the I thought we were being nice, not bad, in a in a good way, not in a patronizing way. I'm trying way. to be I'm nice. Honestly, uh, glad about it. I know. Holden's been on the ice for three goals against. That's pretty bad. I can say that, because that's not too too mean. I don't know. And He's been the. True. It's been fun watching him. <laughs> it's been really like fun and interesting to me watching him kind of move into the the realm that Klein used to occupy, which is, you know, yeah, he's not that great, sure, but the offense he brings and Holden, I think, is really floating uh, right now a lot on the what he managed to do in the regular season with all the offense that. He piled up that came out of, you know, a universe far from this one. You know, just very hard to explain. Um, Very hard to explain how a depth defenseman on Colorado who was considered like kind of a career AHLer and the Rangers gave up, what was it, a fourth-round pick, Joe, for Holden? Yeah, I don't know. A fourth-round pick. Um, And... He had that that benefit of being compared to, you know, it's easy to look competent when you know you're you're directly being compared to guys like Girardi and Stahl, who, you know, are just terrible players in terms of possession numbers. And you know, when you have that thing where you know I don't even know what Holden's shooting percentage was this year, but you know he finished with just an absurd amount of goals and. You know, watching him lose the confidence, or sometimes I guess lose the confidence of Vigneault here in the playoffs has been really interesting because to me it just feels very much like he's that that next guy on the list who's you know a Rangers defenseman who had a really hot start and now you know all of a sudden all the flaws in his game you know when when it matters most they're really revealing themselves and he's been just in terms of the eye test for me, he's looked like the worst defenseman um, on the Rangers and probably, you know, I'm sure it's debatable, but probably in the series. Uh, There's a lot of things he's been doing in terms of like failed zone exits and stuff that have been maddening that, you know, they've been kind of issues all year, but when the Rangers are being dominated in possession and trapped in their zone and a guy like Holden has it on a stick uh, it needs to get out. You know, it has to get out of the zone. And he's not doing that. And he's a little too old and uh, a little too, you know, sheltered and well thought of by the head coach to get away with it. He has to be better than this. And 
uh, I don't know. It's It's been a really weird thing to think that Holden had a higher stock in the Rangers head coach's head than Brendan Smith had for a very long time. That was the case. And seeing this kind of play out and seeing Holden kind of play to what I kind of expected him to be or suspected him to be has been revealing and frustrating to me. And I know I'm off on a wild tangent here and I apologize, but I hope it's been a pretty ride so far. Uh, it's been really strange watching Holden kind of collapse in the playoffs here. And I really don't think it's going to get better anytime soon because he's been that guy who, you know, hit 11 goals and 23 assists for 34 points this regular season. And when you hear those numbers, you don't give a shit about what he did, you know, in terms of shot suppression or, you know, possession numbers or how many turnovers he had or any of that stuff because hey he shot you know 13.1 percent and this is just what Klein did a couple of years ago when we were all really high on Klein but we're not going to pretend that we're just going to think that he put on a Rangers jersey so he's better now he's a better hockey player now uh, and that's almost never the case so Holden's kind of uh, I guess exposure I'll call it has been a pretty important part of this uh, series because in terms of thinking long-term, it really says that the Rangers need more answers on defense. That's been very clear throughout this series, and that Holden is perfectly adequate as like a third-pairing guy, but in the role that Vigneault seems to want to use him in, is it's all wrong for him. So I'll hand this off to someone else now that I've ruined the podcast. I, I don't know if you've necessarily ruined it, but you've destroyed it beyond any no. repair. Um, oh, that's fair. Mike, you want to talk about something very important, the goatee at the Oh, the facial hair? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Well, at least it's not as bad as Nugent Hopkins, because uh, that poor kid, everyone's giving him so much shit. I actually read an article last night uh, about why some men can grow beards and why some men can't. I'm sure this is very fascinating after my rant. Yes, no, please, I want to know. it's this, I forget exactly what it is. It's a specific hormone that is, it's present in, uh, on the top, I think on like a, a certain layer of your skin. It determines how many different sort of hair follicles you have. But the higher a man has of this particular ho- hormone, um, the less likely, the more likely it is to go bald. So you often see uh, bald men with good beards and very rarely do you see men with thick, beautiful hair like Hank uh, have very respectable beards. Hank is just more evidence that he's not quite human. Um, But we've seen there's this weird trend among the Rangers uh, for goatees. Uh, Nash is rocking a goatee thing. Girardi has a very pronounced goatee. I don't know if we should be alarmed about like uh, Beth's tweet the other day with Kreider bringing back the Bickle haircut thing um, and whatever the hell Klein's doing with his hair. But the Rangers are looking a lot like like a post-apocalyptic hockey team right now in terms of their style. Um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I definitely don't like Klein's hair, though. I can say that much. What do you think of the goatees, Joe? I think Girardi looks like evil Girardi. Like he has a twin brother like in it. Bizarre world, 
Yeah, like evil, yeah, evil, evil Girardi, who has not destroyed anything yet. That's what I think he looks like. Uh, Kreider has always rocked the goatee. Um, who, like, I remember the days of Paul Mara, and I did not think we were going to be talking about Paul Mara on this podcast. But wow. with a big, Paul bushy, Mara. like, lumberjack beard. And now you have these guys now who are running with the goatee, and... I don't know. If I, I'm a very superstitious guy. If I was a player, I, I would not let any razor touch my face. I would go full beard and not do the, the goatee. Um, I have a feeling Yarmir Yagers kind of started this goatee stuff because I think he did a goatee his last year with the Rangers. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm just a traditionalist, and I'd rather see the full beard. But I, I do love that we have what I like to refer to as evil Girardi. Um, Beth, but what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, didn't Nash have a full beard for most of the year? So he went, he went goatee for the playoffs. When, when? Yeah, I think that's I guess what that's happened. Little... Yeah. Huh. Uh. And then, then I mean, what percentage of the team cannot seem to grow any facial hair at all? That's a hefty percentage. I don't know. We've got. VC Shea. Oh, well, um, VC's not fair. He's ten years old. <laughs> well, Miller's never successfully been able to produce facial hair either. I bet Hayes. No, he won't. gets a dirty mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McDonough doesn't seem to grow a good beard. Zook never grows a beard. Jesper Fast is still a baby face. Exactly. Yeah. Oscar too. Baby Shea is a real baby face. Very baby. Meanwhile, I mean, the, the Canadians have a couple of lumberjacks. I, mean, I do like the Palmer has a lumberjack. Yeah. Could the Rangers cumulatively Radulov make has a more beard? Throat hair than yes, but fast has facial hair. Uh, is that a European thing, so. though? I don't know. I don't like the the, the neck beard throat hair thing. Uh, the I think the. I don't know. This is probably racist. Well, maybe not racist, but uh, the, I feel like all the Russian beards are like those strangly, like Radulov and Bushnevich have like that strangly, like, even Kovalchuk used to grow that type of a beard. Just that, like, it's like a stray dogish kind of fur. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the look. Just a little bit more unkempt, maybe. I've never grown a beard. Mike, you have a beard. Do you shampoo your beard? You can. You can use conditioner. There's something called beard butter you can put in your beard to keep it soft. I've never done the that. The question was, did you, um, do you shampoo your beard? Yeah, I shampoo my beard. So I'm not maybe an they don't. And that's why I kind of, maybe that's why it like, I don't know. I feel like that's, it's like a strangling. No, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be accused of xenophobia like you're going to be. Yeah, <laughs> you're, I don't, know, Even, I don't uh, know if you know this, but Russia is a pretty powerful country. Even There's a lot the, of controversy uh, about Russia right now. I'm going to take one step further and say even the uh, the Swedish the Swedish beards, Lindbergh and uh, Fast, a little bit more of a delicate beard than say a Palmera. You are maybe also, this has something to do with their fair hair. Perhaps it could. It totally could. I don't know. You're also speaking to someone who still cannot grow facial hair in any respectable manner whatsoever. So. Maybe that's an American thing. I don't know. 
Although you can, I you're American. Huh? I like Kreider's swashbuckler cookie. Yeah. You should not do that to his head. Favorite playoff beard in recent memory. I'm going with Paul Mara. Paul Mara, you want to know why? On the Rangers or overall? On the Rangers. Uh, Because Paul Mara, like, it would be day one, and then by game three of the first round, he had, like, the longest beard in the playoffs, as if he made it all the way to the Stanley Cup. That man was literally a beard farm. Ew. Right, you made it weird now. Well, I'm like going that. with Paul Mara. I, I did not make it weird. Michael? Someone say someone is weird. Oh, God. I don't, I don't know. I like when Nash grows the beard out proper. I always think Hank looks good with a beard, but Hank looks good, you know, wearing his shark costume. Yeah. And nothing. I think it was way. Gorilla that wore the shark costume. Um, I know, I know that, and I know you would bring that up because did you know I would bring that up? Phobic of Russians, and that's okay. Listen, it's not so much. The Russian Cold War's been over for years. a long time now, Joe. Um, Girardi, I think, is a guy who can grow a great beard. But then, why is he going Shame with the? Goatee. Yeah, why is he going with the goatee? Maybe because reasons. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they feel bad about guys like Jesper and BC uh, who can't grow facial hair to save their lives. Well, that's because they're so young. This is their, like, Although middle BC's ground. 24, so, or 23. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I sent you guys a picture of Nash next to VC on Twitter. and I see it. Jimmy VC looks adorable. Hmm. He looks like that kid who got facial hair before everyone else, and he's trying to grow a really bad mustache. <laughs> oh, my. Anywho. Oh, yeah, that's not... It just looks like he had chocolate milk or something. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he got chocolate milk, and it stained his peach fuzz on his lip. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe he... Maybe that's a fake mustache that he powders up before the game. Just kind of grows it out a little bit. I still love Paul Mara could literally, that was his, his goal was to grow a beard. <clears throat> and it was amazing. Didn't Aaron Ward grow a great beard? Um, let's see. Let's find that out. I forgot. I, Aaron Ward being a ranger was a, an interesting thing. Uh, not seeing any great beard photos of him. Mm, this looks like this mm. is his... Yeah, this is... He, like, trimmed his beard. This is him with a cup on the ice, and he doesn't even have a big beard. Uh, yeah, I just saw a picture of Mara. That's, that's a very... Is that not an incredible beard. beard? It doesn't make great radio, but... Yeah, it looks Omara like it, has, it could get, like... Yeah, they're not a mate with a raccoon. I mean, yeah. that's real <laughs> life. There. But, but like that was that was his his beard was like that the literally the minute 
the the second there's even a me uh, there's even stuff about it online. I'm reading it. Oh my god, this is incredible. This really is. Good old Paul Mara. God, look at him. Anywho, anything else we want to talk about? Oh, predictions. What do you think is going to happen? Beth, you have to give a prediction. Yeah, Rangers in six. There it is. Beth says Montreal in five. It's an interesting prediction since the series is tied at two. But that is that is what Beth thinks. So I think I said Mike? the same thing I said last week, but this week I believe it. So this this week you believe it, Mike. Um, first I'm going to say two former Rangers who had good beards, Brad Richards and Brandon Prust. Uh, Ooh, Prust is a good one. I would have never remembered Brad Richards, but Richards' beard looks pretty strong. It looks like Klein can grow a great beard, but he always does some bizarre Viking uh, Mad Max thing with his facial hair. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what he's doing. I think he. Uh, um, Series prediction, um, uh, there's a horrible virus outbreak, and we all die before the series is over. Yeah, anyway. Series prediction. Yeah, this was supposed to be a no, positive podcast. Rangers win it in seven. Rangers win Rangers it in seven. And then um, we all die eventually, I'm sure. I mean, but isn't that beautiful, Joe, that we all die? I don't. I don't think so. No. But speaking of everybody I dying in three weeks, I go to Europe for ten days, and you two are going to have to do the podcast without me. Beth, want to take that week off? No. Yeah, sure. You must do the. You must do the podcast. It's no, we're going to take it off. We're in charge. Ah! We'll, uh, we'll take it off. Maybe finally. Maybe Joe's. Okay. What happened? We'll get Stanley on the maybe podcast. Maybe we can get Taylor Holtz to do it with us finally. Maybe she's just scared of Joe. She, she might knows be. we're friendly. Good. Yeah, we'll need a guest. I don't think I've given out a, a, a thought that I'm not friendly, but who knows? I think a lot of people hate me that don't know me. Um, I know you and I have mixed opinions. <laughs> 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 Um, I don't know. I'm a very superstitious man, and I'm trying to think if changing my prediction will help or harm the Rangers. Uh, Sounds I'm like gonna you're go a little full of yourself, Joe. You think you shape the cosmos over there? That's true. I think I can shape the cosmos, and I think I do often. And obviously, I'm very bad at it because the Rangers have yet to win the Stanley Cup. So then, Rangers and six. Changing. Wow. I am. I just think that for the Rangers to be tied 2 2 in this series, I think Montreal has played the game they want to play, and I don't think the Rangers have played the game they want to play. If that makes sense. Yeah, the Rangers are beating them at their game right now. Right. The Rangers are like killing them. tied, Tied them, yeah. The Rangers are a cassowary that is kicking another man in the face. And that man is themselves. I want to say I'm proud of us for, up until now, not bringing up the all the controversial officiating in the series. I'm very proud of you both. With the six I would have been proud of you, Michael, but now you've ruined it. Yeah, I know. But I already 
I prefaced it by saying I was going to ruin it. I mean, the officials have been terrible. It's been real bad. It has been real. I almost, I came damn close to bringing it up with the Nash stuff, and then I didn't. Uh, I don't even want to get into Montreal having six men on the ice for the goal, the game-tying goal yesterday. That yep. six players skated to the bench to tap fists with the bench. It's insanity. I, I, I know. Uh, um, Mike has taken us down a dark road, as always. <laughs> well, we were a little too positive, and... You were. You were talking about how you literally shaped the cosmos, so I thought it would be good to level things off. You know, Stanley's right here, curled at my feet. Oh, hi, Stanley. Hi, Stanley. How can I not be positive? What, what, what's going to happen to Stanley when you're in Europe? Uh, my sister-in-law's going to take him. That's not and a very I'm exciting story. You should make up something better. I'm not going to let him... I'm not going to let him anywhere near Mike, who's just going to shake that can of pennies at him. Oh, God, that's what Mike I was trying to do. I'm not allowed to have dogs in this apartment. Otherwise, I would have Stanley here, and I would feed him pennies. Uh, okay, well, you would kill him, and then I would have to Sounds kill like you when I got back. <laughs> I'm not sure I would kill him. Uh, Never had a dog. Sure. Pretty sure I would kill him. He's like a vending machine. You put pennies in, and then poop comes out. Um, Your understanding of digestion is, is is impressionistic, to say the least. I'm actually impressed with how confused you are at dog anatomy. <laughs> anyway, you know that. Thank you all for listening. Whenever you see a dog on the street, remember it used to be a gray wolf until we fucked it all up. Every pug we, uh, with an indented face. Every bulldog that can't breathe, every corgi that trips over its own legs, that used to be a wolf until we got What about involved. labs? What about a lab? Used to be a wolf. Yeah, but labs are used awesome to be now. Yeah, they're pretty no, I'm not now. saying a lot. I love corgis. I, I think corgis should be running the country, but it used to be a wolf. It's an interesting, it's an interesting desire. The way you say well, at least it, I don't shape the cosmos. That's like thousands of years ago. <laughs> mm. I like corgis. They're great. Uh, there's nothing not to like about a corgi, except for the fact that like 90% of dogs are better than corgis. Whoa. Oh, dear. Hey. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You just lost no, like 100 subscribers. What did you say? You just lost us 100 subscribers. I don't think that's true. I don't necessarily mind corgis. I think they're just too small for me. I'm a big man who could crush a dog accidentally. You're a sizest. Mm, possible. Big man needs Both a big possible. dog. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't be nervous about squishing a dog when I sit down. None of you had to get, think about I don't that. Know. I, I get nervous around little dogs because I always think if I step on it, I'll break its spine. Right, um, and you probably will. So that's why I, do, I like bigger dogs. But I think a bulldog is also indestructible, so it's hard to tell. I've seen bulldogs run full tilt into, like, you know, glass sliding doors, and they just kind of sneeze, and they're fine. 
sneeze out brain cells, I would imagine. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> through their we-can't-breathe noses. If the Rangers were a dog, Joe, what dog would the Rangers be? The whole team? Yeah. If the Rangers were a dog, okay, what would that dog be? It's a good question. Mm. It is a good question. Depends on the day. Huh? It does depend on the day, Beth. It kind of does depend on the day. You're right. (laughs) Overall... Oh, God, that is a really good question. Because a part of me wants to say, well, I, I need to be somewhat positive because the Rangers have some things going for them. But And my idea of, like, the team itself and the team with AV are two different things. I think AV is like that weird dog that, like, wins all the ugly dog contests. And it's like, ah, you kind of love it because it's yours. But by the same token, it's like, oh, my God, we could have such a better dog. Um and then I think, like, Buchnevich is like Stanley, just something that always makes you happy and never does anything wrong, even though he ate my slippers oh. yesterday. Oh, he looked up. He knows. He knows what he did. So I would say the Rangers are a corgi. They're small. I would and they say the Rangers. Their own legs, but they're cute. And they're yours. I, I remember from growing up when the movie 101 Dalmatians was released that uh, parents were complaining that Dalmatians were shitty with kids because uh, they suck. They're really pretty to look at. They have a lot of, like, uh, prestige and, like, you know, an air about them, but they're not what you think they are. And that's why I think the Rangers are Dalmatians. <laughs> See, I My think the Rangers are better. I think they're border collies. collies, They're like super smart, you know, and you always see those videos of like people teaching their border collies to like talk or words, or they have like a 2000 word vocabulary or to like play the drums or something like that. But they're a border collie that like (laughs) doesn't get to work and hasn't been taught to do anything. So it like eats an entire room full of furniture or like (laughs) the house next door, like has, Great dog has all this brain power, but if you don't direct it in the right way, it becomes completely destructive and obnoxious. So, I think that I is like best perfect. An- best answer. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's as perfect of an answer as you <laughs> best can get. <laughs> the, the Rangers are a very smart dog that is just not necessarily neglected, but just not. There's no discipline. Like yeah, Lassie, this dog is. But, like, I could be but, driving a boat and rescuing people, and you've given me <laughs> like a, a a ripped tennis ball and your old shoe. And yeah, that's, so yeah, you know, yeah. You watch the other dogs come out and do amazing things. Like you said, one of them is is driving a boat and just saving people's lives and. Then another one, yours just comes over, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. That dog is just totally confused. It is chasing its own tail, and now it's throwing up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. It's it's just not good. That sounds like game three. <laughs> yeah. But the, see, but that's the thing. It's like it's Jekyll and Hyde. You know, Saturday... 
you get the dog that like is eating its own tail and running around and barking and it's pooping in the house and it doesn't even care. And then you get like the Bernice mountain dog in game four that comes and saves you from the avalanche and pulls you out and like gives you medicine and shit so that you can survive. (laughs) It's two different dogs. Aren't we all just two different dogs, Joe? Similar. Very similar. All right, well. All right. We're sorry for whatever this was and whatever it turned into. Rangers. If the Rangers were a quiche. Yeah, I gotta Mm. go. Oh my god. That's fine. I'll just talk to myself. Yeah, what a whale thing to say. You have to go. You're not good enough to talk about the Rangers being quiches. Delicious egg I dinners. Don't eat, I don't a delicious egg based dinner, don't Beth. I don't eat eggs. I can't. I can't comment on quiche. Yeah, a delicious egg. Wait, first, uh, why don't you, you can't eat eggs, or you choose not to eat eggs? I choose not to eat eggs because I think they smell uh, funny. Okay, you're going to be fired. They smell funny, that's fair. But they're delicious. Eggs are delicious and nutritious. Eggs are delicious. But there's no but. If something back, smells bad, back you don't put it in Beth. your mouth. I mean, lots of things smell bad sometimes. Yeah, and then you don't put them in your mouth. Like shawarma. Like Some cheeses are smell bad. Yeah, I don't eat those either. I'm consistent. Yeah, I don't eat those I don't either. Eat, Beth I don't is eat making a lot of sense here. She was making sense with the dogs and the border collie, and now she's definitely speaking my language here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what Beth did. Goodbye, Joe. I'm just going to leave. You've ruined this for me. Any joy that I've had from this podcast, I immediately regret from dealing with both of you now. You've ruined it. I hope you're proud of yourself. Yeah, I can cook eggs for other people. Well, my children, because I love them. I don't think I'd cook them for anybody else. But She's just blatantly telling us she doesn't love us, Mike. All right. (laughs) If the Rangers were an egg, would Beth eat them? And the answer is apparently no. Beth would not eat them. Because they would smell funny, true. which is probably also true. If Brady Shea true. was an egg, I would not lick him. Mm. <sighs> Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. <laughs> Blue Shirt Panther, Blue Shirt Panther. Dig deep BSB, Beth Macklin. Go to those Twitter handles. Goodbye. We're sorry. Let's go, Rangers. Thank you for listening. Let's go, Rangers, and I'm not sorry. Go eat as many eggs as you can because Beth is a whale. <laughs> <laughs>